Many years ago, Riley Knight completed a degree in history. This proved to be a bad move, as it was absolutely useless for him. Until now, here's some half-assed history. What's going on, mate? Great to have you along for some more half-assed history. This week on the agenda, going to be having a chat about Gaius Julius Caesar Augustus Germanicus, or as he was better known as, and, you, as, as, and as you probably know him, Caligula. This guy is uh, one of the more famous Roman emperors, despite not even making it four years as a ruler. And there's a very good reason for this. He was completely bonkers by the end, at least. Uh, this bloke was a total wacko, and some of the nonsense that he got to is absolutely hilarious. And it's very funny because, to begin with, people bloody loved him. They got around him in a major way. They thought he was great. And then he started behaving like a bit of a loose unit, murdering blokes, ruining temples, having to away with rent boys and making horses into consuls, all sorts of stuff. They actually didn't do that, but it's still a good story, so whatever. Anyway... Let's get to it, learn about what old mate Caligula was all about. Uh, as usual, going back here, kicking things off uh, on the 31st of August, 12. Sounds very weird to say the, the year like that, but that's what it was, the year 12 CE. So uh, young Caligula uh, is born to a, a red-hot general named Germanicus, and his mum was a big old knob called Agrippina, Agrippina, Agrippina? I don't know how to pronounce it, Agrippina. Man, every time I say one, it, I feel like it's the other one. Agrippina? I'll go with Agrippina. Agrippina the Elder. So young Caligula is definitely born into a fair bit of privilege here. His dad, as I mentioned, was going around conquering the pants off of modern-day Germany. And uh, as the adopted son of the current Emperor Tiberius, he was actually the designated heir to the imperial top job. Anyway, old mate Germanicus, he loved to bring his little lad along with him to all his military stuff and used to dress him up in a, mili- uh, in a, in a little miniature soldier's uniform. Bloody brilliant. Love, bloody love it when kids are dressed up like adults. And the reason that I'm going over this is because this is how Caligula got his nickname. Rather than going by his full name or whatever, he got the nickname Caligula, which means little soldier's boot, or more accurately, something like, you know, like Bootikins, like a, a sort of little cute nickname there, because of how cute he was in his little uniform, his little soldier's boots on. Um, now, unsurprisingly, apparently he didn't like this nickname, but bad luck there, little fella, it stuck, and 2,000 years later, he's still known by it, which I think is a, you know, a, a pretty good a pretty good happenstance there. Um, he's like this bloke, reminds me of this bloke who used to play at my local footy club. He was always talking rubbish and, you know, nonsense, making stories up, and he, uh, he hated the nickname that he got as a result. Everyone used to call him Showbags, because, again, because he was full of rubbish. Anyway, um, unfortunately before uh, for uh, young Caligula, stuff goes south pretty uh, quick smart in the year 19 when he's just seven. His dad is bloody done in. It's never conclusively proven, but the prevailing theory is that the emperor, Tiberius, assassinated his own heir because of Germanicus's popularity. It's thought that Tiberius saw Germanicus as a threat and was worried that he would have a crack at usurping him as the emperor, right? So he offed him while he was, you know, quit while he was ahead like that. In any case, whether that's true or not doesn't matter because Germanicus dies like disco, which actually, when you think about it, isn't all that dead. So that's not a great saying. Deader than, deader than dubstep? One day, maybe, we can hope. Anyway... This doesn't work out too well for Tiberius uh, because obviously he's suspected to have played funny buggers here and already isn't very popular, so people like him even less after the chicanery. So Caligula grows up without a dad, poor bloke, and Tiberius won't let his mum, Agrippina, again, Agrippina? I don't know, man, just whatever, that one, remarry. 
She is completely convinced that Tiberius did the deed, and eventually she comes out and publicly swears that she'll have her revenge, and so Tiberius goes right ahead and just locks her straight up, along with a bunch of Caligula's other relatives. And this is in the year 29, and Caligula himself is spared imprisonment because he's still just a teenager. He actually ends up being forced to live with Tiberius himself, which Caligula bloody hates because he also reckons that he's bloke, this bloke off to his dad. But all the same, he's very clever about it because he hides his feelings masterfully and just gets on with things. He gets on with the job, and he's rewarded this. He's rewarded for this in the year 35, six years later, when Tiberius names Caligula his joint heir, along with his grandson, Tiberius Gemellus. So, Caligula is biding his time, playing the old Darth Sidious waiting game here, and soon enough, old Tiberius goes ahead and dies on the 16th of March, 37. Tiberius is 78 at this point, but even then, there's some suspicion of foul play. Contemporary historians weren't in agreement about it, but there was some suspicion on a bloke named Nevius Sertorius Macro. The story goes that there was a report that Tiberius had died, and so Caligula hurried to take power as the new emperor. Then it emerges that the report was false, and you know, while Caligula is, make, Caligula is making a Game of Thrones-style bid for power to seize power here, uh, Tiberius is there, alive and kicking, yelling out for someone to bloody bring something to eat. So Macro apparently orders his men to go and kill Tiberius with by smothering him to death, just to make things easier. Anyway. Where that's actually what happened, Macro absolutely got around Caligula and backed him to the hilt. Uh, and, and Tiberius dies, sure enough, and Caligula uh, begins to make his move, uh, you know, to, to secure himself uh, the, the, the imperial throne. Caligula, as you'll remember, he's supposed to rule jointly with Gemellus, but Macro got up and about and had, had Gemellus cut out of the deal, portraying Gemellus as, uh, as being, you know, just a few stubbies short of a six-pack. And as a result, in the year 37, we have Caligula ascend to the position of Roman emperor, uncontested and alone, and he is off to the races. Incidentally, uh, just to tie things up here with poor old Macro, he was expecting a, a you know, stonking great reward for services rendered here, but instead Caligula does some bloody dirty dog uh, business. He goes to Macro, he says, good job there, old mate. Tell you what, I'm, I'm going to make you the governor of Egypt. How does that sound? And Macro says, mate, I love it. I love this idea. When do I start? Can't believe it. Thanks so much. Caligula says, head down to the docks. Head just straight down the docks there, mate. Jump onto the ship there. She'll take you across and you can get stuck in straight away. And Macro goes, oh, mate, look, cheers for that. Really bloody good of you, big fella. Off I go. Can't believe my luck. Heading off to Egypt. And after getting to the dock, docks with his missus, he is arrested and stripped of his titles and then goes on to kill himself in the year 38. Bit of a Debbie Downer for old mate Macro there, but still, that's how she goes. Anyway, Caligula. He's now in the top job. He's bloody loving it, having a great time. And I'll tell you what, the people that he's ruling are bloody loving it too. Not only does he, uh, you know, not only do people get around him because of his old mate Germanicus. Germanicus? I thought I settled on Germanicus before, but it's probably Germanicus. I don't know. Anyway, they love his old man. Uh, and they also love him because he's not Tiberius, who people generally just couldn't stand. And as a result, as emperor, he gets off to a great start. He does all sorts of stuff that people absolutely love, which, if you're going to be cynical, was exactly the point. He does stuff like pay bonus cash to the military, in particular the Praetorian Guard, who were in charge of things around the emperor, you know, the bodyguard, secret service type blokes there. They've got their, you know, earpieces and sunglasses on. Um, he invited the blokes that Tiberius had exiled to come back and live in Rome and uh, also ended the incredibly unpopular treason trials that uh, Tiberius had loved so much. He also did all the stock standard type nonsense you'd expect to, you know, get people up and about. He put on big circuses and gladiatorial games and whatever else and, and people, they just absolutely loved it. He finally, last thing he did, 
restored democratic elections, which again, the, the commoners, they're all about it. They, it. It is safe to say at this stage, this guy is hot property and people have got you know huge numbers of tickets on him. He's having a bloody great time as emperor, universally loved, all that rubbish, bread and circuses, he's, he's having a great time. But it all comes a gutter, starting in October in the year 37. He's only been emperor six months and after having got off to a flyer, it starts to go sharply bloody downhill at this point, I'll tell you that. Because in October 37, Caligula falls ill. Very, very bloody ill. He is sick as a dog, but he manages to recover from it all. However, from this point onwards, he is a changed man. After this illness, he's a changed man. And not in, you know, the stereotypical old, I've kicked the booze and the darts, please take me back type way either. He suspects that he was—he didn't fall ill, that he was actually poisoned. And after recovering from the illness, he starts to really crank up the crazy. Caligula had always been a bit of a weirdo, even before he, you know, got sick. And while today he has a pretty solid reputation as a nutter, it's not quite as simple as that. He may have had a you know a host of psychological issues, but with this illness slash poisoning business, uh, this was when he you know really whacked on his tighty Walter Whitey's here and, and broke properly bad because he starts to execute or exile his political opponents, or at least the people he thought were his political opponents. And he also killed off a fair bit of his own family, his father-in-law, his brother-in-law, and, and maybe even his old bloody grandma. His descent into madness from 37 onwards result, resulted in him gaining the reputation for insanity that he still has today. And we're going to get into that and what took place there over the next four years of his leadership. But before we get into all the really crazy nonsense, let's talk about his achievements and what he managed to do for Rome. Because to give him the credit he deserves, he actually did manage to smash, smash some pickets through his time, as I, as I discussed. So we'll get through all the boring stuff, we'll eat the Brussels sprouts, and then we've got a nice big bowl of chocolate ice cream coming our way when we talk about the crazy stuff. So... Apart from the civic reform that I mentioned before, all the you know bread and circus stuff that the public loved, he got up and about and, and did all sorts of other good stuff too. He built temples, he built roads, walls, harbours, aqueducts all throughout the empire, getting heaps and heaps of public work construction going. Um, and also in fairness, I have to say, in addition to all this civic work, uh, built a lot of stuff just for himself. He expanded the imperial palace and built himself a couple of, you know, Jabba the Hutt style pleasure barges, but we'll let him have that because he did a good lot of you know a good lot of other building work as well. He also expanded the empire pretty effectively, annexing Mauritania, which is modern day Algeria and Morocco, and splitting it into two separate provinces so as to govern it more effectively. But also, then again, in fairness, he may have had another reason for that too, because this annexation may have also had personal motiv motivations, because Caligula was actually related to the ruler of Mo uh, Mo Mauritania, a bloke named Ptolemy, uh, who he then had executed. He was his cousin, didn't like him very much, so he, he managed to get him out the way there like that. Anyway, we'll give him that one too, because again, expanded the empire, so good, good on him. Caligula also got the ball rolling on the invasion of Britannia, although it didn't live to, he didn't live to see its success, and to be honest, they didn't really kick too, much, too many goals when Caligula was in charge. But I want to clear one thing up, because there's a story about how he, he uh, you know, when, when they landed in Britain, um, or in Britannia, I should say, uh, there's a story about how he instructed soldiers to collect seashells on the beach as the prizes of war. This is usually a, a story that's used to indicate just how bonkers he was, but again, there's not much truth to this story. Because the slang term for huts in the Ro Roman army at the time was musculi, or in other words, seashells. So he may have just been asking them to the troops to pack up their huts and not pack up a bunch of seashells. I don't know. It's not clear that he was properly bonkers when he was doing this sort of thing. In any case, did a lot of good work over there. And obviously the Romans eventually conquered a lot of Britannia years later, so good on him. And overall... In his relatively short rule, he got a fair bit done both at home and throughout the empire. And that gets, you know, a lot of that gets lost amongst the crazy. But as you're about to find out, there is a very good reason for why it gets lost amongst the crazy. Because there was a fair bloody bit of crazy to get through here. The problem is, 
little bit of boring historiography here. The problem is, the lines begin to blur as to what is fiction and what is gossip. It's well known that the author of one of the principal sources we have on Caligula, a bloke named Suetonius, was uh, essentially a Roman Perez Hilton. Not only did he write all of his stuff about Caligula 80 years after Caligula died, uh, he was also one of the biggest gossips you'll ever come across. We don't fully know the, you know, the truth of all the rumours about Caligula because one of the, as I said, one of the primary sources about this bloke was written by someone who we know to be a little bit unreliable. Anyway, nonetheless, it's a good story. Let's get into it. Some of the, uh, some of the tamer stuff first, and then ramp up towards the really good bits here. Start off with the relatively tame fact that he was bald. He was bald as an egg. And uh, he loved wearing wigs as a result to hide this. Uh, uh, but on top of his baldness, he was very hairy everywhere else. And he absolutely, oh, mate, I tell you what, he used to crack it when anyone made even the slightest reference to just how, you know, how much of a hairy bugger he was. Um, and apparently, and we're going to use that word a lot today, so get used to hearing, <laughs> get used to hearing me say, but apparently, um, he would execute people who talked about goats in front of him. Obviously a bit of a sore spot there. He didn't like hearing about that sort of stuff. But it goes further than that because he loved putting up statues of himself. Um, and when there was a bunch of unrest in territories like Egypt uh, between Greeks and Jews and, and others, his solution, if you believe it, was to erect statues of himself in synagogues and the like. That was his way to quell these uprising and riots. He's like, oh, just have some statues of me. This is going to solve the problem. Unsurprisingly, people weren't too keen on this, and this actually caused riots rather than solving them, which Caligula did not like at all. And as a result, he had the prefect of Egypt executed because of these riots that basically Caligula had started. Anyway, a year or so later, some more riots kick off again for the same reasons. You know, people aren't happy about you know, the Jews and the Greeks. They're getting stuck into each other once more. And again, Caligula decides that a statue would be the best way to do it. So what he does, he gets a stonking great big statue of himself, put in a big Jewish temple there, absolutely enormous, covered in brass it was, and he ends up liking it so much that the whole building was then converted into a temple for Caligula himself. Never mind the people who were actually using it before. Never mind these poor Jews of you using it as a synagogue. All of a sudden, it's a temple for Caligula. Sorry, tell your story, walking, you fellas. Now it's a temple for old bloody baldy goat over here. And you may not be surprised to learn that on top of all this, he's pretty bloody capricious. Pretty bloody capricious bloke Caligula. He kind of did whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted, and seemed to just not you know, have much of a filter between his, you know, dreams and reality there. For example, one time when he was at the games, he got bored during a break, during one of the intermissions. And so rather than sit there and, I don't know, you know, check his Facebook or whatever, he just has started having guards chuck people in the audience down to the Lions. Just, just, just for S's and G's, just have a bit of a giggle. He started having just, imagine this, imagine this, you've paid your, you know, three sestity or whatever to get into the, the games. You're taking a long little tacker there to, to go and watch, you know, people being thrown to the lions. And all of a sudden, the emperor's bored, so you're getting chucked to the lions just like that out of your bloody, you know, your front row seat. You can't believe your luck. It's bloody terrible luck for you. But Caligula's bored, so he needs entertainment, and that's how it went there. And, um, you know, I talked about all the money, on top of all this bread and circus stuff, I talked about all the money he spent on building projects, but it wasn't just limited to that. He didn't just spend money on all, the, on all that on that stuff because he loved to have these big lavish parties and get absolutely wasted. And apparently, again, apparently, this isn't 100% certain, he used to roll around in piles of money like a Roman Scrooge McDuck. Now, obviously, this drained the coffers pretty quickly, but Caligula didn't have an issue with slapping extra taxes on stuff like weddings and prostitutions to, ways, uh, to raise extra cash. And 
this, again, not 100% confirmed, but he may have just made stuff up about rich people, like false accusations, so as to convict them of crimes and find them or just seize their stuff, seize all their estates. He nicked money from soldiers, he forced them to hand over plunder that they'd taken, and he even auctioned off the lives of gladiators in the circus. So he really didn't have an issue paying off his debts in some pretty questionable ways, I have to say. Now, there are other things we can get into here, and, and the crazier we get, the less sort of rooted in history we're becoming here because you know as we start to talk about stuff like rumors of incest it's not a hundred percent clear that this stuff is 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 you know definitely true people certainly accused him of sleeping with his sisters but again not necessarily true the biographies we have of caligula heavily politicized writers like suetonius had no hesitation in chucking stuff in because it sounded like a good story but even if he wasn't hopping into bed with his sisters he it is almost certain that he absolutely loved getting his end away because he slept with prostitutes with rent boys with senators wives some actor named Menester, and all sorts of others and on top of this, he partied like an absolute champion, getting all dressed up, drinking himself silly, building statues of himself, all sorts of stuff. He was, in the words of author Alan Massey, the first rock star emperor, which I quite like. There's another story, and again, there's no cons- consensus as to uh, you know if it's actually completely true, but it's definitely persisted throughout the centuries and, and millennia, as we've talked about this bloke. Um, at some point previously, his old mate Tiberius, the previous emperor, emperor you'll remember, had had an astrologer named Thrasyllus make a prophecy to him saying... Caligula has no more chance of becoming emperor than of crossing the Bay of Baiae on horseback. So what does Caligula do? In the year 39, he has a pontoon bridge built about four kilometres long, built across the bay near Naples, and then rides his favourite horse in Catatus, right, right across the bay like a champion, buggy a prophecy, he says, I'm the emperor, what are you going to do about it? So, again, didn't really give too much of a crap about the hard realities of situations. If he want to ride, he wants to ride a horse across the bay, he's going to do it. This wasn't the only you know crazy stuff to to, to emerge with with his horse. He bloody loved his horse. Probably the most famous about, uh, for, for most famous not just about the horse but about Caligula, um, is about him. The one where he makes his horse in Catatus, as I said, uh, the same one that he rode along the the pontoon, a consul, which while. Very bloody funny. Unfortunately, didn't actually happen. He said he was going to and, and actually might have legitimately been planning to do so, but but he didn't go through with it either because he was joking or, you know, I don't know, he forgot or something. Don't know. But again, this comes to us from his biographer Suetonius, who talked about how Caligula used to have Incatatus invite people around for parties and that sort of thing and how he fed him oats mixed with gold leaf and gave him a, a collar with all gems on it and stuff. And he might have, might have actually ended up making Incatatus a priest but he definitely didn't make him a consul. In fact, the whole consul thing might have just been him taking the piss out of the senators, saying, you blokes are so useless, even my you know, bloody horse could do a better job, all that sort of stuff. Anyway, the final insane cherry on top of this crazy cake is Caligula's claim that he was a god. And I quite like this one. He would often dress up as different gods like Mercury and Apollo and stuff like that and, and insist on referring to himself as a god when he was meeting with other blokes, other politicians and what have you. He... It gets, it gets so much better, though, because he had the heads removed from all these statues of gods around Rome, and they were replaced instead with statues of his own head, with his own noggin on top of all these gods. So never mind all the gods look exactly the same, you know, Venus and Jupiter and Saturn, they're all looking exactly the same now. That's that's fine, don't worry about that. And he goes further than that because he even set up a little temple zone for himself in Rome as well and would rock up there for people to admire and worship him, you know, stuff like that. People would turn up, oh, yes, look, I'm, I'm, I'm the god here. Can't believe you're lucky. You get to look at me, whatever else. Get around me. I'm fantastic. I don't know if this bloke, like, legit thought he was a god, but I'll tell you what, he bloody loved being treated like one. That much is for sure. Anyway, 
With this bloke going around, you know, all his sort of pants-on-head crazy nonsense here, it's bound to catch up with him at some stage, and catch up with, it, with him it does, because most of the other politicians of the day, you won't be surprised to learn, are not keen on this bloke at all, especially the blokes in the Senate. Of course, there were all sorts, all sorts of conspiracies and whatever flying around at the time. It'd hardly be ancient Rome if there weren't, you know, bloody hell. But finally, in the year 40, one of these plots starts to get some legs. It all kicks off when Caligula announces that he's sick of Rome. He's bloody sick of it, he is. And I'll tell you what, I don't blame him. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it is all bloody smelly and horrible, rubbish in the streets, choked with idiot tourists. Rome just sucks. Anyway, so he says he's off to Egypt for good. See you later. Cheers, you blokes. They bloody love me over there in Egypt. Going to get worshipped as a god, all that sort of stuff. Can't wait. See you later. And all the knobs in Rome, of course, they don't like this idea, all the senators and the politicians and stuff, because if the emperor nicks off to Alexandria, there goes the political relevance of Rome. If the head of state, if the emperor himself is on the other side of the Mediterranean, that's big trouble for all the people who have you know, put themselves in cushy political positions over the last however many years, they're going to, have, they're going to have, a, have a hard time. So, I mean, on top of that, they're also, you know, bloody sick and tired of all his insanity and how he pisses, pisses away money and generally doesn't seem to have a bloody clue about anything. But as a result, as a result, the, the Senate and a group of influential politicians they get together, they say, all right, listen, we've got to knock this bloke off. He can't go over to Egypt. We're going to have a terrible time. It's no good. You know, I've, I've got bloody too many irons in this particular fire here to, uh, you know, I've got, I've got a bloody nice villa. I've got, I've, got, I've got, you know, lawns. Who's going to mow them? You know, I need to take care of my own business here. So that's what they're worried about, I imagine, the state of their lawns. That's, that's almost historical, you know, certainty at this stage. Anyway, anyway, the Senate, they get together and they get this bloke on side whose name is Cassius Caera, right? And Caera, he is a member of the Praetorian Guard. You remember before I talked about them, they're the emperor's bodyguards, the, the sort of, you know, the secret service for the emperor. Um, and and Cairo, this bloke, he gets some other Praetorian guards on side, and together they really, you know, start to light a fire under the, under this plot, and it's it's really bubbling away. Uh, gets these blokes on 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 side into offing uh, Caligula, and and so the plan is hatched. Now, interestingly, interestingly, Cairo may have had a personal stake in in the murder of, of Caligula. He may have wanted to knock him off because Caligula apparently was very nasty to him. Uh, he used to call him names and laugh at his high-pitched voice, which is which is pretty funny, like a pretty funny reason to kill an emperor, you know, because he laughed at you a couple of times. Anyway, uh, whether it's political or personal, the Senate-led plot against Caligula, it results in Kyra and his mates looking for us. I'm pretty sure I've said Kyra a different way every time I've read it. It's C-H-A-E-R-E-A. -E -E so it just, it looks like someone has been dealt too many vowels playing Scrabble, and they're like, oh, no, it's a word. It's, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a type of plant. Anyway, this bloke here, and his mates, they're looking for a spot where they can do the emperor in and uh, looking, you know, for an opportunity to arise. And of course, wouldn't you know it, one such opportunity does indeed arise in, in early 41, in the year 41, towards the end of January. Now, Caligula, he's in his massive big palace, wandering around having a great time, and he heads down into the basement, into the underneath, you know, corridor underneath the palace, where he meets some actors. There are actors who are in, in you know, in town for a festival or whatever else, and he, and he gets chatting to him. He's like, oh, you know, how, how are you boys going? What's going on? You, you enjoying Rome? No, no, didn't think you would be. No, it is pretty rubbish. I'm, I'm going to leave, actually. I'm buggering off to Egypt pretty soon. It is, it, oh, yeah, terrible, terrible. All the tourists, it's awful. They're all sitting on that fountain. It says not to sit in the fountain, but they still do it. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, it's terrible. I'm out of here. Don't blame me if you're not liking it. That's Again, almost historical certainty that that was the conversation. That's a, that's a direct transcript of that conversation. Anyway, while he's having a chat with these actors, who's this coming up the corridor, of course, old mate Kaira. Kaira? I don't know what it is. Anyway, this bloke. Um, he comes up the corridor with a bunch of these conspirators, right? And he doesn't muck about at all. He doesn't, you know, not a word, not a bloody pleasantry, nothing. He doesn't go, oh, how you going, you match with nothing like that. He pulls out a knife and he stabs poor Caligula then and there, just like that, and absolutely runs one through him. And then 
they all, these conspirators, they go and do the old bloody Julius Caesar. They're all lining up to have a shot at Severin, you know, neat orderly queue, I imagine. That's how you do it. Um, they're all there stabbing the emperor. Um, and I thought about this. Fair enough, too, because if you're involved in a plot to kill the emperor, like, you want to get your hands dirty, right? You don't want to be the one telling your grandkids, he's like, oh, yes, I was involved in killing an emperor. One, uh, oh, what did you do, granddad? Did you uh, did you actually, like, no, 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 I just, like, made some plans and talked. Oh, so you didn't actually kill him? No, well, you know, I was involved i was adjacent to the killing you know you don't you don't you, know, you want an impressive story to take home you want to get your hands dirty and you want to get the knife stuck in there so all of them get stuck in this bloke's got about 30 stab wounds on him he's, he's got he's more got more holes in a bloody you know one of them things you strain spaghetti through what are they called a colander a colander. he's got more holes in him than the colander he's leaking all over the place he's having a terrible time obviously he's i mean he's having he's dead he's obviously having he's obviously having a terrible time he's just been murdered so i'm not I'm, you know he's not going oh i love it please more um anyway he's dead He's leaking all over the floor, and uh, that is the end, unfortunately, for fans of Mad Roman Emperors. That is the end of, uh, of poor old Caligula. It was also the end, you know, one way or another, sort of eventually here, of Kyra and his mates. Also, also the end of them, because the next person to, to ascend to the throne here is uh, as Caligula's uncle, a bloke named Claudius. Now, he's off hiding behind some curtains. Or so. That's not a joke. He's actually literally hiding behind some curtains uh, when, when news of the murder of the emperor spreads. Um, and he's whisked off by some of the Praetorian guards that are still loyal uh, to, you know, to this bloke, to, to Claudius. And the, the, he's taken away to safety. Now, eventually, he gets enough of the support of the, the remaining Praetorian guards to be put back on the throne. He, like, there's talk of, you know, bringing back the Roman Republic and the senators are all in, you know, in this, this hungry, this power grab, this, this power hungry, uh, you know, sort of uh, clutching at power here. But it doesn't end up working out for them. And, uh, and Claudius is put on the throne, which is bad news. Bad news for the senators who got their hands dirty with the execution or the murder here, or the assassination of old mate uh, Caligula, because he's not happy about it at all. Can't go around murdering emperors. It's bad form. And so uh, Claudius is determined to uh, put his foot down about this. So what he does is he rounds up uh, Kyra and all the other ones, all the all the other conspirators that he could uh, that he could pin it on, and he said, "Listen, you blokes, you you bugger, you're absolutely bugger. Can't go around murdering em- emperors, as I say, very bad form. So uh, you blokes, said, nah, off with you. Uh, you know, you're well. I don't know if it's off with your heads. I don't think it was the Queen of Hearts from Alice in Wonderland. In any case, you're getting executed. You get the point. Anyway." Um, one thing I found really interesting about the execution, obviously, all the conspirators get executed. The ones who can it can be pinned on, but my favourite one is Kyra himself who asks to be murdered or, or executed with his own sword, and then that wish is then granted. So that's pretty metal of him, I think, really. I mean, that is a pretty metal way to die, being you know being stabbed with your own sword. But that's the way that he goes. That's the way that he shuffles off this mortal coil. Um, but anyway, poor old Caligula, he is, uh, he's cremated and he's buried in the mausoleum of Augustus. But uh, unfortunately, his tomb isn't around anymore these days because the, over three centuries later, during the sack of Rome in 410... His ashes were lost. And uh, that effectively, and at last, I have to say as well, is the end of this bald, hairy, horny, party-loving, totally bonkers Roman emperor. But that's it. That's all she wrote today, sports fans. That is the story of Caligula, the mad Roman emperor, continuing the grand half-ass history tradition of covering mad emperors. We've had Kaiserville, we had Wilhelm I, now we've got old mate Caligula as well. Cracker of a story. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. But uh, even if you didn't, well, I mean, too late. I've just, I've just eaten, you know, 20, 30 minutes of your, of your life. You're never getting that back, you know? So anyway, that's the way it goes. Um, quick housekeeping stuff to close out the show. I know this is boring as anything, so I'll get through it nice and quick. Half-assedhistory.net is where you can get in touch with 
the show, uh, listen to old episodes and find everything you need, all the information there. Links through to the Patreon as well. I'm very, very thankful to those who are chucking me money every month. I really do appreciate Don't know what I did to deserve it, but I, I tell you what I appreciate. You keep me in... Uh, in uh, in cheeseburgers and, and you know and and frozen pizza, so I'm very 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 grateful for uh, uh, for for all those uh, all that support and and of course for the people who are getting in touch via the contact form at halfhousehistory.net. Thank you so much as well. I'm sending still sending out stickers to those people. Uh, if you want some half house history stickers, please let me know and I'll send them out to you for free. There's a big big delay though, of course, because I'm still over in Australia uh, while I'm recording this and all my stickers back in Scotland. But once I'm back over there in February, I'll uh, I'll send them all to you. Um, and uh, that is just about that. Uh, oh, Twitter, of course, Twitter. If you want to follow the show or, or get in touch via Twitter at Half House History without an O, wouldn't fit very annoying. And I haven't updated Twitter for ages. I'm aware of it. I'll get to it eventually. It's very, very long way down my list. Anyway, that is that for this week. Thanks for hanging out with me, and I'll see you back here next week for some more Half House History. Until then, leaving you with a question. Well, actually, two questions. I couldn't resist this. I found I was looking up some questions on. Uh, on Reddit here by some Reddit historians for some stuff on uh, on ancient Rome, and I found two absolute crackers here. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do we got we got a two for one here. We got a two for one on our hands. It's great great value. Number one, <clears throat> Reddit historian bzh underscore jjm cracker of a name there wanting to know posing the question: Did Rome decline because of the genitive or the dative? And for those who aren't sort of you know au fait with their Latin declination jokes, got a backup one here as well posed by Reddit historian dramatic irony. Uh, can someone explain the events leading to the sacking of Rome? Did Rome take too much time off work or something? 